El Fanboy, Episode 7. Welcome to El Fanboy, Episode 7. This is your host, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR, and there's just so much to talk about today. It's going to be a very Spider-Man-centric episode because of the new trailer that dropped today and because, uh, let's just say, Spidey's web seems to be grown in some very exciting ways. So I'm going to tackle the trailer, this week's news, and even cooler, I will not be alone today. I have not one but two guests for this episode, making it very, very very extra special, if you know what I mean. Uh, the second one's going to be joining, you know, checking in on us a little later. But for right now, it is my greatest pleasure to bring on the founder of Latino Review and current editor-in-chief of The Splash Report, my good friend, Mr. Kelvin Chavez. Dímelo, what's cracking, boy? You even hit me up <laughs> with that old school delay. You love to give me the goddamn no. delay. I love that. I, I swear, like it. every time I've you ever know? introduced you, I always like I always have to like wonder, did he is he not there? Did he disappear? Did he fall down a manhole? All right, so you're here, Poppy. So before hey, we get into how you doing, boy? I'm in good. How, how are you doing over there, Mr. Uh, Mr. Editor in Chief? I'm breathing, Report? bro. I'm breathing. You're breathing. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good. For a second, I, th- I thought you said uh, you were breeding, and I'm like, please, you should probably stop. How many kids do you have now? <laughs> I'm doing that too. <laughs> yeah, enough of that. Enough. Close up shop already. We we can't. The world can't handle this many Chavezes. You know what I mean? But uh, things are going good for you over there at Splash. Yeah, yeah, they're going good. Yeah, yeah. I, I know yeah, you got Thanks. something coming up later today, which we're going to talk about just a tad. But yeah. right now, I don't want to get into any of that. I want to get into the most important thing that's happened today. Because Spider-Man Homecoming dropped trailer number two. And coño, I'm so hyped for that movie right now. I want to let you talk about it first, and then I'm going to kind of jump in with uh, what I felt about it. But what, what was your like initial reaction when you saw it? My first initial reaction was, DC, take notes. I mean, I, I, I like the trailer. Look, look, I grew up in the, you know, 80s kids, you know what I mean? I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm a DC fan. I'm a Marvel fan. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Friends back then, uh, the the TV show for Spider-Man. I watched Batman. All that live-action shitty one from the 70s? All that live-action. <laughs> I used to fucking put I used to, I used to put those fucking dishwashing gloves and have fights with my my half-brother, you know, <laughs> Thoma. You know? So, you know, old-school days. Yeah. And those are, you know, my iconic superheroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, it brought back, you know, the old school memories, you know, with a spider tracer coming out of his chest. Yeah. You know, um, inflatable suit was awesome, though. I thought that was really fucking great. Well, oh, you know? yeah, yeah. The but, homemade uh, one? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. The one that he puts on and he just, he just oh, you know, yeah. touches the and button. It, like, and zips and it, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought that was really fucking great. Um there was a lot of stuff that was in there that was awesome, dude. To be honest with you. Well, oh yeah. How about the fact that your scoop got confirmed about the about the love interest? 
Yes, yes, indeed. Liz right? Allen. Got, yeah, you know, Liz you Allen. saw she was about to that lengua, Peter Parker, and then bing, he cut. There you go. Yeah, remember a while back, everyone was talking about Mary Jane being in the movie and this and that, and she's not in the movie. I mean, let's just put that to bed. But uh, yeah, the, the, well, the Liz Allen character is actually the love interest. And in the trailer, you see that, you know, right, you know, very, very definitively. So it was cool seeing that come to fruition, right? Yeah, like I said, I, I like I like the for starters, like you know, his vacuum. That's what I called it, the vacuum seal the suit. Vacuum seal suit. Yeah. Front. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you know the cameos. Obviously, there's not just one Avenger in the film. Yeah, you know, there's they another one. Captain America on the on the on the little screen is hilarious. Captain America's fitness challenge that cracked me up. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, man. I don't know. A couple things that just jumped out of me right off the bat was that, like, I love that it seems to be like a very intimate, very personal story. You know what I mean? This is about Peter Parker, him learning to be a superhero, him dealing with the powers, him learning, you know, when to step in, when not to, him being like young and, and inexperienced as a hero and perhaps getting himself in over his head. Like, it just seems like a very human, very relatable you know, personal story. And I love that because, you know, I've said this to you before about a million other things. Like I hate when these movies get so overblown and like the threat is so huge. You know, the whole city, the whole world is at stake and it just kind of, you know, the, 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 the stakes get so big that you kind of just lose, you know, who the hero is, who is our main character and why do they matter to us? You know, and this trailer seems to really put Peter Parker front and center. The movie really seems to be about this young man, you know, learning the ins and outs of what it means to be a true hero and, and what to do now with these powers he has, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I also just love it the way he's being depicted. Like, you know, right now it's so popular to make the heroes very, like, cynical and very sarcastic and very dark and jaded. And, uh, you know, I, I remember even when they rebooted, like, with the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, like, they made him, like, dark and tormented and all this shit. Meanwhile, I love it. This Peter Parker just seems like a good kid with a heart of gold who just seems incapable of sitting on the sidelines. You know, like, whatever it is that Ben, Uncle Ben told him way back when about with great power comes great responsibility, like, he really took that to heart. And I love that about this version of Peter Parker, that he just seems to be a really good kid just trying to do the absolute best he can. And even when he makes mistakes, you know his heart's in the right place. You know, I, I love that the way he's being depicted so far. Um, and then just on geekier stuff, like, yeah, I love the multiple suits. I love all the tech that we see, the, you know, the, with the way that, like you said, with the vacuum sealed suit and the spider tracker and you got like the, the, the web wings and... I just I'm I'm loving all that sort of stuff, and you know I've got some interesting ideas for for what like where they seem to be going with the story, but I'm going to wait until our next guest chimes in so all three of us can sort of dissect where we think Spider-Man: Homecoming is going from here and what the story is going to be like. That okay with you? If we hold off on that part a bit. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> that's right. cool. I mean, the other, the other thing that the other thing that bugged me out, I don't know if you saw it. What? Is <clears throat> that scene, I don't know if um of a uh, vulture, yeah. uh, Michael Keaton's vulture when, mm -hmm. when he's coming down the scene, I could not stop and think that that reminded me so much of Batman Begins. Yeah, when the wings open up behind him. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the same color, the same color scheme. Yep. Yep. And that everything. Shot, it, uh, and it, I, like, that's like Yeah. 
It, it, it totally echoed the shot from uh, Batman Returns, where he has like the mech wings that open up behind him and then he glides out. It totally, I, 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 that had to be on purpose. John Watts had to be having a little bit of fun with that shot just to make people think about the last time Michael Keaton was in a superhero movie, you know? Um, and I, I have some interesting stuff that I picked up on in the trailer that I'm going to save for when our next guest joins in. But I really feel like we learned a lot about Vulture and what he's like and what makes him tick. And uh, I'm really excited now about him as a villain. Up up until this trailer, I wasn't really sold. I'm like, eh, Vulture was always like a, a, a D-level you know, villain in the Spider-Man universe. But I really like where, where they're going with him here. Um but okay, so I, and, I and, and, and I also like I also like that it's Vulture because that's some that's a villain that we haven't seen. Yeah, that's true on the screen yet. Yeah, you know that's the only reason I, I I'm hyped for this movie. Don't get me wrong, I'm really yeah. hyped for this shit. Well, all right. You so know? now that you've seen the trailer, speaking of hype, like a scale of one to ten, where's your hypometer? Ten. Ten. Coño. It's a ten. No, wow, you know, okay, excited. you know what, you know what, you know what? I, I, I'll take it back, I'll take it back, nine, a nine. Really? You know, okay. I mean, this is, this is probably, I know you had said earlier, this is the most anticipated movie for you this year, but to me still, it's either, uh, to me, the most anticipated movie I want to see besides Star Wars is Guardians. I want to see where mm, Guardians goes Yeah. At. And then so, this yeah. one. So, so is that, like the top three. So, that, so this know? is like, so this it's, is your trifecta. It's Guardians, uh, Homecoming, and Last Jedi? Yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I wonder where Justice League, how is that not on the list? But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Trust me, we're going to get to that because they got a new trailer also. But before we do, you know, we do traditionally tend to start things off with the box office. So I just kind of want to take a look at this week's top five, and uh, I'm curious if you're interested in any of these little subplots like I am there, Kelvino. So no, number one shoot, on shoot. the list. Wait, shoot. I'll, I'll just, I'll just. Oh, I'm going to shoot, puto. I'm going to shoot all over you. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see. Number one this weekend, which yeah, I guess to the surprise of absolutely no one, Beauty and the Beast repeated uh, with a $90 million haul. That drop was unbelievably low for a movie that opened as big as it did. It only dropped 48.3%. So right now it's got a total domestic cum of $319 million. And if you actually factor in international, the global box office for Beauty and the Beast is now over $700 million fucking dollars. Jesus Christ. Uh, what you saw the movie, right? What did you think? What Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Uh, okay. There was I liked it, but it was it's not like I'm gonna go run and see it again. Yeah. You know, um, I really thought that the animated film was a a, a better. That would that's just me. There, um, I liked the fact that there was a sort of a backstory to uh, Bella's mom. And what happened to her? Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, it's, it wasn't like oh wow, you know. I mean, yeah, the the effects of her dancing with the beast, all that brought back memories, and it was nice and all. But did they really have to make this? Yeah, you see, know? I, I think it's interesting That's what you I bring up. Yeah, you bring up the memories because it's like this seems like. It was such a, a product of nostalgia. The whole thing seems to be all about nostalgia. They added very little. They added very little to the mythology. 
and all they really did was remake the cartoon. That's all they really did. So, because I, yeah, I did end did, up exactly. seeing it yesterday. I did end up seeing it yesterday. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, no, no, not yesterday. Sunday, Sunday morning. Um, and yeah, I was just like, you know, aside from the little additions of you know, to, to the mythos, kind of like you said, I didn't really think this had to get made. Um, I did. I, I think I enjoyed it probably a little more than you did. Uh, but I overall, I was just like, eh, this, you know, th- this did not need to get made. But anyway, okay. And we're going to move on to number two, which was that, you know, Power Rangers opened this weekend. And I've been saying for a couple of weeks now on the show that, you know, if I'm Lionsgate, I'm very, very scared of Beauty and the Beast because, um, you know, Beauty and the Beast doing what it's doing might swallow up Power Rangers. But you know what? They had a pretty damn good opening weekend, all things considered. Considering the reviews were not all that good, uh, the movie actually opened to just north of forty million dollars. It made forty million three hundred thousand two hundred and eighty-eight bucks. And you know what? For a movie that uh, cost only around a hundred mil to make, this thing is going to definitely be profitable, and it's going to definitely spawn some sequels. So you didn't get to see it yet, though, did you? No, I did not. I have not. <clears throat> I uh, wanted to this weekend. But uh, I have not. I mean, I know that my one of my sons is he's a Power Ranger fan. He wants to see. We were supposed to see, like you said, Sunday. Like you went to see Sunday. I was supposed to go Sunday, but you know, other we had other plans. Yeah. All right. Well, I and you know, I did see it, as you know, and uh, you know, I I, re- I reviewed it for the Splash yes. Report. Uh, so just kind of like a quick recap of what I thought of it. I thought it was really good. You know, like certain elements of it were really, really good. Certain elements of it were really, really bad. But overall, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know what, this is, uh, I like this team. I like this cast of characters. I like the world that they've set up here. Uh, and I, I want to see more. Uh, and there is a little tease there at the end. That's why if anyone hasn't seen it yet and you're planning on it, you've got to stay through the credits because there's, there's a little mid credit sequence that sets up where they're going for, you know, with this in, in sequels. Uh, and I'm very, very hyped. Um, you know, something that didn't really come into play was my theory about the guy on the train. Although they just seem to cut that out. Do you remember what I, what I said about that a while back? That the guy on the train. What I did think, you say? I don't remember. I said that the there's guy a the guy train, doing like a ninja kick on a train. And that I, <laughs> there's like a silhouette where you see a guy like, you know, uh, of a guy doing like a ninja kick wearing a hoodie and a backpack on a train. I'm like, that's Tommy. That's the Green Ranger on his way to Angel <laughs> Grove. And uh, that scene doesn't even seem to be in the damn movie, I don't think. So it looks like, you know, for, I, I just want to put this out there in case you guys are like amped about seeing the Green Ranger possibly show up in this. The Green Ranger does not show up in this movie. I get, they're totally saving that for part two. Uh, speaking of part two, um, one thing that I, I, I am curious about is that, you know, they were able to keep the cost on this movie fairly low. Because, you know, and you'll see this when you see the movie, they save all of the crazy stuff with the Power Rangers and their suits and the fighting the putties and the using the Zords for like literally the last 20 minutes of the movie. The whole movie, more or less, is just human characters being shot on handheld cameras. 
So you can tell that's how they were able to keep the expenses down. But now, conceivably in a sequel, they're going to be Power Rangers from start to finish, and there's going to be lots more battles and more, you know, another big crazy alien villain. So I'm curious what's going to happen to that budget for the sequel, and if the studio is going to be a little anxious about that, because, you know, 40 mil is a nice opening, but if the sequel ends up having to be more of like 150 or 200 million dollar cost it's going to take a lot more for it to break even so i'm very sort of intrigued about that uh number three did the movie come out did, go ahead did the movie uh how did the movie do overseas did it go get out in china yet i will tell you right now son of my gun uh right now in the far north it, it, right now it's only made 18 million uh, right now in the, in the markets, it's open in. I'm taking a quick look since you just mentioned there's no, it hasn't opened in China yet, hasn't opened in Japan. Right now, its biggest contributor is, uh, you know, overseas is, um, I can't, it's, it's not much. It's in New Zealand gave it a pretty nice welcome, but that's about it. So it hasn't <laughs> opened in any huge markets as of yet. So I'm sure that'll help. It'll definitely help. But um, yeah, anyway, definitely. moving on to number three. Number three, you got Kong Skull Island, which is now in its uh, its third week in release. Um, and it made 14 million bucks. That's also a fairly low drop of 47.3 mil. Let's see. Kong Skull Island now has a domestic cum of 133.8 million bucks. Uh, a worldwide of 392.6 and let's see the movie costs 185 mil to make so you know i i consider that like a moderate a modest success i i wouldn't say that you know if you're warner brothers you're not completely in your glory right now about it but you're pretty happy and one thing that's going to help is it hasn't opened in China yet. So I think it did. I'm not sure. I, no, I'm looking right now at the at the thing. Don't fucking question me. Okay. Hey, I hear myself in the background. What did you do? Okay. All right. Listen, I'm trying to finally have a podcast that has no technical hiccups here. Don't don't ruin this for me, Kelvin. So, um, all right, moving right along. Uh, After Kong Skull Island, uh, in the number four slot, you've got Life, that horror flick, which, by the way, I hadn't even heard of until like three or four weeks ago. Um, Did you see Life yet? Uh, Yeah, I actually did. What'd you think? Um, I haven't seen it yet. It was, I thought it was okay. It wasn't all that. Okay, Okay. but the thing is, what bugged me out is that all these fanatics, bloggers, what the ever the fuck you want to say, calling this shit a Venom prequel. Like, who the fuck made this up? (laughs) I would like to know who made this fucking shit up. Like, really? You have nothing else to do but make this shit up? Because it's fucking some sort of whatever organism, life form you automatically think that is... I mean, Venom? you know, I guess I guess I Ow. can see how it would be a cool idea. You know what I mean? Like if they were to make a very sneaky sort of roundabout, you know, Venom prequel out of this. But, you know, I, I don't know why anyone expected that to be the case. Uh, something that I find interesting, which I, I haven't really I didn't realize until now, is that it's written by the dudes who wrote Deadpool and the dudes who wrote Zombie. And I was going to get to and I was going to get to that. I yeah. was going to actually get to that. Because that's one of the things that I spoke to my my friend at the screening. I was like, 
you know what bugs me out? It's like, these guys rode Deadpool, and Deadpool was fucking amazing. Yeah. And then you do this? Really? And I'm like. Oh, really? So, so this was a letdown for you coming from Deadpool? It was sort of a letdown. It was, it was, it was and it also reminded me sort of like, like um, Alien. Yeah. But it was in a different take. I, I did like the spin twist that you'll see. I mean, whenever you see it, you, you'll see a nice twist. Yeah. But yeah. it was all right. It wasn't like, you know, oh, my God. You know, it, it, was, yeah. it was like, you know what it was? It was a rental. That's what I call it, a <laughs> rental. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the it's thing, too, they kept the budget pretty low. It cost like 58 million bucks to make. Like, did it look like a cheap movie or did it look like they got the most out of their. No, it did not. It did not look like a cheap movie. I'll okay. give you that. It wasn't. It didn't look like a cheap movie. All right. And critics seem to agree with you that, like, it's good, but not great. Like, you know, like they gave it a very tepid, you know, it's got a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, where, you know, like it just pushes yeah, into the yeah, fresh yeah, area, yeah. but nothing really to write home about. Um, yeah, it's like I'm if you want to, it's, it's like if you want to kill two hours, go see like. <laughs> All right, well, it's funny because that's what I'm going to yeah. do soon. Uh, I think uh, tomorrow night, <laughs> uh, yeah, me and my buddy, he's like, he needs to get out of the house. He's lonely. He's going through some shit. So I'm like, all right, let's go see life. It just seems like something to do to kill time and get out of the house. Like that. That's what the priority level is at for me with life. Um, oh, that sounded deep. Anyway, uh, and then number five on the list <laughs> is. Logan. So Logan is number five. It made 10 million bucks. Right now, we're looking at a domestic cube of 201.6 million bucks. Foreign is actually doing very nice for it. It's doing 363.9 mil for a worldwide haul of $565 million. Um, and for a movie that only costs $97 million to make, you gotta you gotta think that Fox is feeling very very happy right now about Logan. Um, you saw that, right? Logan, yeah, yeah I, I We haven't it. spoken, yeah, we haven't spoken, you know, in a while. So just real quick, what, what did you think of uh, Logan? I thought it was incredible. I thought it was. Um, I would probably have to fight you on that. That is the best comic book movie to date. I still don't think it is. It's probably like number three or number four for all me. Right, but listen, yeah, it's, it's up there. All right, you know, it's up there. Yeah. I like I like the um, the character development between her, uh, the girl, and him. Yeah, you know, um, the she's she was fucking awesome. Yeah, like, really, like yep. You know, she was really good. Um, and, and and you know, and a little a little love story between uh, Logan and uh and the, and the little girl. Oh, you mean like uh, a, like a father daughter love story? Yeah, like yeah, a okay. father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck kind of love story is he talking about here? <laughs> All right, yeah, no, you're right, you know, you're right, yeah. A very you know, lovely, the whole, touching um, family tale. Yeah, the family tale, and, and that scene where they're having the dinner table. Yeah, you know that's that's basically what's it about. It's about family, you know yeah. what I mean? And and yeah, I thought it was like I said, I thought it was fantastic acting between. And between the the girl and uh, Hugh Jackman, yeah, and what a way to end it, you know? Yeah, what a way to end the the legacy. I, I at one point I was like, nah, he ain't dead. Come on, <laughs> make that little branch, make that branch move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i was so you know what it is i was nervous they were gonna do that because i loved that he was dead i really did i loved that at the yeah, like this was the end of his ride 
And I was like, please don't do any corny shit now where a pebble moves or the branch. <laughs> you know, I'm like, please don't do it. Don't do it. And they didn't. So I'm like, thank God. They're not putting little cheesy blockbuster teasers in here. They really gave Logan a fitting finale. And I have so much respect for uh, for James Mangold and shit because of that. Um, and then yeah, just definitely. It, and, and, you know, like and, and, and it's like like when I spoke to James Mangold, it's no it's somebody else I spoke besides James. It's not the old Logan that I was used to when I'm reading the comic book. But it is an old Logan, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 for um, sure. Because the villain is not the villain in old Logan is not who the villain is in the film. Yeah, it's not Xander you know I mean? Rice. But I, I think I think out of that, to me, Boyd Holbrook, who played the villain, yeah, he to me he was a little bit of the weak part of you the film. You think so? Huh? I actually thought. I mean, I think, maybe I'm thinking more of just as an actor, but I, I thought he was like a scene stealer. I really liked his his uh, his Pierce. And I thought he was a. I thought he was a very pleasant surprise. I, I I never heard of the kid before this, and I thought he was very like he was magnetic, very charismatic. Yeah, I've not, I haven't seen it. I have to see. I know I, you're gonna oh, yell okay. at me, but I got to check out Narcos. But um, yeah, I didn't think <laughs> he was Hispanic a weak link at all. Watch Narcos. What I know. Fuck, I mean, listen, I'm busy being a mule, taking things across the border. I don't have time to watch Netflix. Go on, you. Um, but no. all right, so that wraps uh, up our top five. I, me, oh, me what? Hold on. To me, the scene stealer guy was Patrick Stewart. That's why I said that. Oh, you know what it is? Though? I expected him to be great. You know what I mean? So for him, like, yeah, I, I, for me, I tend to give the scene stealer credit for anyone who's like, you were supposed to be a not very important, significant character, and you still somehow managed to be one of the best parts of the movie. You know what I mean? That, that's what I give scene stealer you know, uh, acknowledgement to. Okay, uh, all right, all right, I you got you. Oh, and then in terms of just and before we leave box office, just in terms of numbers though, and I wonder what you think of this. Like I, yeah, I brought sure. this up a couple episodes in a row now where as happy as I am about how well Logan's doing, there's still a part of me that's sort of like disappointed that it's it's falling so far short of where Deadpool's at. Like you know, like how how well Deadpool did. Because for me, like Wolverine is a much bigger deal than Deadpool, you know, and he's been around for far longer. So he's got a much bigger audience. And, you know, I just did just like just to give you like a comparison at this point in its run, Deadpool had made three hundred and eleven million dollars domestically compared to this <coughs> point in the run for Logan, which is at two hundred and one, like I had said. So like. It's doing well, but Deadpool is mopping the floor with it. And meanwhile, I just – does that bug you out at all? Do you think – like, is it fair to compare the two or am I just being am I just being unreasonable here? No, I mean I, I think you're pretty fair on comparing it. But the thing is, for example, uh, Logan and Deadpool, obviously they're totally different films. Yeah. Especially with the tone. With the tone is totally different. Yeah. Right? So yeah. – when let's say for example, when my wife went to see Logan compared to Deadpool, she enjoyed Deadpool way the hell out of Logan. So I get what you're saying there. You know, yeah. a lot of people enjoyed the shit out of Deadpool that they probably went to see it two or three times. Yeah, that's with Logan. True. It's kind just, of a they downer. Just so. just went once. Yeah, so one time thing on. I'm not going again. You know, once and and one and done. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. You're pretty insightful. 
You know, I'm over here. I, I've been comparing Logan and Deadpool's box office for a couple weeks now, and I guess it really doesn't make a lot of sense to do that because Logan is fucking depressing as shit, even though it's a masterpiece, and Deadpool, you know, was just a lot more fun of a movie. So I guess, I guess I should finally just stop comparing the two and just be happy that Logan's doing what it's doing, that Deadpool did what it did, and that this little X-Men cinematic universe is kind of off on this on this sort of rebirth that it's on. So, you know, I, I'm going to stop comparing the two but all right so earlier today i mentioned that we're going to have a second guest who joins in on the show and right now this is actually very special for me because even though we've written together before on sites and we've even had columns that sort of go against one another we've never actually formally met so this is going to be like the first time i speak to this gentleman and some of you have said before you want him on the show so i went and got him Ladies and gentlemen, joining Kelvin and I is the marvelous one himself, Mr. Dave Gonzalez. Hello, <laughs> and don't feel too bad. I've like met known, quote unquote, known people by working with them for like years oh, and yeah. then not met them. It's it's you're you're just by having interactive speech with me, you're already in an exclusive group of <laughs> talking to me. So welcome. Hey, dude. I, yeah, no, I, I don't know Dave at all. I don't know that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah who funny. the fuck is this guy? Who, who, is, the fuck you, is this who guy? are either of you? You're strangers. Let's just pretend to be friends. No, it's funny because like readers and, and commenters always like they, they, they seem to have this idea in their head. That like when you write for a site, we're all in like some office somewhere sharing cubicles and that we have like we have meetings about what we're going to write about today. And we're all like, you know, meanwhile, Latino Review, like it's just a bunch of guys on their random laptops, wherever they are in their underwear, writing what they you know, what's what's on coming to mind. Yeah, exactly. no, that, that's basically. How, actually, I, I have to put on pants every day. That's like my line. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing. Uh, like I mean, if you... pants don't go on, nothing's getting done. So <laughs> if there's at least pants. <laughs> well, I mean, you moved on to some pretty exciting stuff. Like, what are you? Where are you at right now? That you're on your lunch break from, Mr. Gonzalez? Oh, actually, I've been doing this for about eight years now. But I'm the animations producer and director on the reality shows on MTV about pregnant women. Your Teen Mom <laughs> Two, your Teen Mom OG. Uh, yeah, I usually don't talk about it cause I can't represent their opinion. Yeah. Uh, outside of amazing. that. So I don't speak for the show otherwise, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's been fun. We, we passed like a hundred episodes on teen mom too, and it's good to stay in production on one, one side or the other. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you're also, you've got a couple of uh, great podcasts going on in your own right, right? Well, what are those called? Tell, tell my listeners. Oh uh, yeah. We got uh, fighting in the war room, which is me, uh, David Ehrlich from IndieWire, Katie Rich from Vanity Fair, and Matt Patches from Thrillist every week discussing pop culture topics and movies. And then Storm of Spoilers, which is me and Neil Miller from Film School Rejects and Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair. And we usually talk Game of Thrones spoilers, but in this offseason, we've been covering a bunch of stuff. We're going to do a Legion episode this week because uh, we've seen the finale, uh, which you guys will get to see on Wednesday. And it is pretty cool. Yeah. Which one? Which one? Legion. The Legion finale. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> and can you tell me? Cause I, I yeah, haven't it's like had one a of chance. the weird. It's it's a superhero show that has a mid credit scene in its finale. So if you're one of those people that changes the channel before Legion's over, don't. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I have not had a chance uh -huh. to check out a single episode of that show yet. Uh, is it a, is it a strong recommend from you? Yes, it is an X-Men show. X-Men is the property is, you know, I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of Days of Future Past. I thought it was fine, 
but you know, I'm really persnickety when it comes to my time travel narratives. So I had to, you know, overly <laughs> geek out on that. But the pivoting from like Deadpool, you know, we could forget about Apocalypse. The you know, Brian Singer entries in the X Men universe aren't my favorite anymore. But Logan and Legion both uh, running the L's in the X universe really hard this spring. Yeah, has been, it's been a great time to be an X Men fan. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and can you tell me because I, I I've read they, things they, they be hitting that shit. Go ahead. Come. No, I was saying they've hit that. They've they've hit that uh, timeline. You know, seriously. Yeah, I think one of the best things that they've been doing with the X-Men series is sort of not taking the timeline as seriously, but keeping each world building inside its own movie. So like the fact that I had to spend part of Logan wondering what happened to the X-Men, and I'm pretty sure like I'm not going to have to wait to see that moment. That was just part of Logan's story. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a great way to go about things. I think, you know, having Deadpool 2 thread into X-Force and back out to Deadpool 3 is going to be really great. Like if they could keep the world building inside each movie and not make it about secretly being gay, then I think that's exactly <laughs> the direction the franchise needed to go into. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something I've been saying for a while. That I, I think continuity is overrated. Like the idea of like all these movies having to fit perfectly in with one another. First of all, that ship has sailed with Fox a long time ago. Like they can't really do anything about that right. anymore. But I also just feel like as long as the movies are great – Continuity shouldn't matter, you know. I feel like a lot of fans they they put continuity on too high a pedestal, and they allow that to dictate how they feel about a movie. Like, well, I loved it, but this, this, and that, you know, this this contradicts what happened in Days of Future Past, and this contradicts what happened. Like, no, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you do that stuff. You have to enjoy these things for what they are. You know what I mean? Certainly in franchise filmmaking up to this point, I do think there's a possibility for that to change in the future for two franchises. And that would be Avatar. If James Cameron really does like four movies in production in a row, he might be able to do like the great filmmaker version of hyper continuity. Yeah. And then if Ridley Scott actually gets to do his like six fucking alien genetic horror movies, <laughs> he might be able to do continuity because he's saying something about one of them is set in between Prometheus and covenant. And I'm just like, maybe fuck you, but also you're Ridley Scott. So like, I, I'm, <laughs> it's re I'm really hesitant to say fuck you to James Cameron and Ridley Scott because betting against those guys is usually a bad proposition. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I like maybe fuck you. I like that idea. When you're not sure yeah, about maybe, somebody, maybe fuck you. Maybe guys. fuck you. I'm gonna file this under maybe fuck you, and we'll find out where this goes. From yeah, at, right as right as Alien Covenant ends, I'll be able to definitively say one way or the other who's <laughs> who gets the fuck you. Yeah. Um, now I, I have a few questions I want to ask you, uh, but uh, right now since there is the possibility that someone over at MTV might yank you away from us, I gotta get you to talk about today's big topic, which is the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, and then if we have time after that before they yank you off. That sounds awful. But if we have time sure. later before they pull you away, we will, uh, you know, we'll go into some of the other stuff. I'd love to bounce off you. But all right. So just what yeah. did you think of the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer number two? Uh, I really liked it. I'm, I'm going to like any every Spider-Man uh, trailer. That's just my my want as a person. I, you know, even defend uh, dubstep sequence in Amazing Spider-Man 2 <laughs> to this day. 
because all I want a Spider-Man movie to do is to try to be something because I think so often with Sony, uh, they try to be so much that it just ends up being a great big nothing. Uh, it's really obvious that the way they want to market this movie is, hey, this is the version of Spider-Man that's in the Marvel universe. Uh, and this, you know, sort of follows it, even though we keep hearing that it's supposed to be like this John Hughes teenage story thing. All the trailers have been like, here's basically the entire Iron Man storyline. Uh, here's, you know, a whole bunch of Easter eggs to Avengers. Uh, here's, you know, the cool Spider-Man yeah. has just fighting villains who are wearing other Avengers masks. Like here's, uh, uh yeah. like, what is it? There's a Stark, there is Bruce Banner. And now we see Captain America all make cameo appearances in images in uh, Peter's school. So it's really Sony being like, trust us now because this is a legacy film, even though it is not a legacy film, it's the beginning of a trilogy. That's like a hybrid of the two. So knowing that I'm interested in the same things I'm interested in with every Sony Spider-Man movie, how many like fight scenes are there where they set around the plot and how many suits does he have? Because this one sort of <laughs> hints that there might be a third Spider-Man suit, uh, which I think would be lovely just in terms of if Tony takes his suit away. Uh, and then if you try to line up where the plot pieces happen and when the vulture has purple weapons or not purple weapons and where those purple explosions take place, either in New York or D.C., there might be a third climax suit. I thought the, the suit was going to climax with his, you know, homemade version uh, because, you know, he'd get the suit taken away and then you'd have to do his final fight this way. But I kind of feel like there's a battle in the school for the titular homecoming dance. And I kind of feel like that footage that we saw uh, in the first teaser teaser of happy delivering another suit might actually be to Peter in DC, which kind of doesn't make any sense. Cause then we're seeing the spider tracer suit. I don't know how many suits are in this movie. Wasn't a question. Now it's a question uh, <laughs> that interests me. Great. Right. Oh, so then let me ask you like, you know, how did this affect your hype for the movie? Did, did it increase it? Did it leave you the same? Did it decrease it? What did this trailer do for you in terms of that? Uh, I think it increased it because I like the vulture in combat, which we got to see a little bit of in this trailer, which we hadn't seen before. Like we'd seen the landing, we'd seen the, the gun shooting, but in terms of him using his claws either to lift Peter up or to uh, attack the plane, I really like that idea. I like the dynamic. Um, uh, okay, let's see. <laughs> no, I think I could talk about it all now. I knew I knew damage control was in this movie. I wasn't allowed to talk about it until somebody else said something. I really thought it was going to be actually revealed in the trailer, but it was um, revealed, I think, today by Fandango. Uh, but the it was it's the company that Tony Stark starts to clean up uh, the superhero fights. Uh, it was going to be a show for ABC, but I thought apparent that uh spider-man homecoming you know nabbed this away and that's what shut down the pilot at abc but i'm now hearing that actually the president of abc saw jessica jones and decided to switch directions so what was going to be sort of a humorous tv show like the powerless dc one with danny booty yeah. and vanessa hudgens um got shut down as abc decided to go darker and homecoming was allowed to come along and sweep this up and so now the plot is Vulture, you know, hates Stark and uh, people associated with Stark because damage control is taking his business, which used to be basically salvaging these superhero fights for tech that he could turn into weapons. So uh, all of that's really cool. And I think that 
like actually having a plot makes me hype uh, because you could yeah. go as we've seen with Justice League. Uh, you could go through a whole bunch of trailers and cool images and not tell me what the movie's about. And uh, sometimes that ends up good and sometimes that ends up bad. Like Power Rangers, basically the entire movie's in the trailer. It just takes two yeah. hours to do that trailer. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see that there's hints of stuff that we don't know about Spider-Man yes, because absolutely. I would like to A, either figure those things out or B, experience those in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know earlier on Twitter, you said something about like, you felt like they didn't really reveal much, right? Yeah. I mean, I, people were saying that they, you know, think that they were seeing too much of the movie. I think because we saw, we've seen, I'm, I'm pretty convinced there's not a ton more Tony Stark in the movie. Like I think they're throwing all the Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr. in the trailer. Like I was saying, yeah. the broadcast. The point. Yeah. So they're like, Hey, this is not, you know, Sony trying for a third time. Yeah. This is the return of Civil War Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, because of that, I think we they really front-loaded the amount of Iron Man that's in there. I don't think we're going to get a ton more Iron Man uh, in the movie, or at least it doesn't look that way from what we've seen. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, too. Like, I've written on uh, on the fact that, like, in the first trailer, uh, there was so much MCU stuff, and they really seem to be heavily playing that hand, and they seem to still be keeping that up with trailer <coughs> two. Here's hoping that trailer three sort of strips it down a little bit and puts the emphasis now, like, you know, now we've established that this is in the MCU and that we want to have your confidence and your trust that this is going to be part of the franchise you guys love. But, you know, this is going to be also a personal story about Peter, you know, and maybe kind of dial down the MCU elements a little bit. So I'm hoping they do that with trailer three, because even in this trailer number two, uh, I was telling Kelvin earlier, you know, I love how sort of personal and intimate the story seems to be in terms of like Peter's like personal journey, you know, as a hero. He has these powers now and and he's learning the ins and outs of what to do with them, what not to do with them and carrying sort of the weight of world, the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like, I, I do really like that. And I do like that this seems to be a very sort of local intimate threat that he's dealing with. Um, I always hate when these things get overblown. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that, like, you know, because I love the little scenes like between him and his best friend and the best friend sort of geeking out about, right. oh, my God, you're Spider-Man. And, like, I, I hope there's a lot more of that in trailer three. And in general, that the movie really puts the emphasis on this on this kid, on this teenager who has been endowed with these great responsibilities and you know, this great power. And uh, speaking of which, I can't say right. that without thinking about you and your want for a particular phrase. Yeah, I think someone needs to say with great power comes great responsibility. I don't yeah. think it needs to be like, you know, an Uncle Ben flashback. But I think, yeah. you know, as a Spider-Man fan and then also as somebody who's, you know, Marvel's sending up all the, this is your classic Spider-Man flags. He's got the web wearings. He's got the spider tracer. He's got like projection uh, thing that used to be on his belt, but now it's on part of his web shooters. So I would feel like if we're going to go full classic Spider-Man, you have to have the phrase that pays. Um, (laughs) But in terms of talking about what you're talking about and making a personal story, I hate to tell you this, Mario, but you and Avi Arad would not get along because he Uh, likes everything opposite of what you said in a Spider-Man movie. Like he's him not being part of this project is the reason this trailer doesn't end with Spider-Man landing on the American flag that's (laughs) flying on top of the Empire State Building. 
because that would be the type of imagery. And it looked like we were going to go in this direction with the first trailer because it ended with, uh, you know, him pulling the fairy together and like the Statue of Liberty was in the background. Yeah. The second trailer managed to sort of MCU it up and uh, re redo the stakes, even though it has the Washington Monument in it. It doesn't feel like Spider-Man is America like Sony's previously yeah. had to include in every single one of their Spider-Man movies. And it's funny you say because Avi and I do not get along. <laughs> because we, I mean, I don't know if you remember this day, but two years ago, when we announced as you know Marvel and Sony's, you know, the, sort of like who was going to at that time be the writer and director, we basically said this is the plot line that they didn't want to focus on the romantic stuff, like the first couple of Spider-Mans with him and Mary Jane. They wanted to focus more on Peter. And his struggle of being a teenager. Yeah, that it wouldn't be a traditional uh, origin and story. And obviously, that's what it shows here on the trailer. You know, it, it basically that's that's what uh, the trailer also uh, shows. And like you said, Avi Arad is not involved in this. And I think we said something negative about that. That he actually wrote me an email saying, "If you want the real fucking story, email me." Yeah, I remember that he was pissed at you. Well, thank God he's not involved with this one. Thank God he's not involved with this one. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah, he's got Venom to work on. Yeah, which I actually will get into in a hot second. But so something else about this trailer that just jumped out at me is like, I don't really know much about the Vulture. And in general, when they announced him as it, you know, that he'd be the villain in the film, I was kind of like not terribly excited about that. But I got to tell you, Michael Keaton makes him instantly so much more interesting to me and some of the stuff that they allude to in this trailer for me is very exciting now i have to admit i don't know anything about what you were referring referring to earlier with like the damage control stuff and and what his actual role in the story is and and, and his motivations against stark but i can just say as someone who doesn't mm -hmm. know vulture that well watching this trailer like he seemed to me like a good like like this like like an old school like street level criminal and who's who's sort of like pissed off at all these heroes, you know, flying around in their tights and their spandex, and he's all too happy to sort of stay under the radar. Like he has that line about like basically that the Avengers have bigger fish to fry, and that as long as we keep our you know what we're doing on you know quiet, that you know no one's going to mess with us, and that's what makes Peter a thorn in his side because Peter does come after them, and he you know, he refuses to sort of let Keaton and his his group of guys do what they're going to do. Like, that's how I interpret it. I might be totally sure, wrong. So it's, uh, no, 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 you're not wrong. Basically, Peter and Adrian Toomes are the two blue-collar scientists in the Marvel Universe as of now. Up until these two characters were introduced, if you were a scientist, you were a superhero in training, or you were a support for the superheroes in training. So it's like, yeah, Peter's supposed to keep it street level. He's splashing through people's pools. He's not, yeah. you know, in downtown Manhattan all the time. He's around Queens. And then this guy is just, you know, he says, I'm trying to, you know, protect my family or something. It's unclear yeah. if that actually, like, is his family because the Vulture doesn't have, like, a huge family storyline in the comics. But even if he's just talking about the other dudes on his crew who are helping him, you know, like the Tinkerer and the Shocker put yeah. together these That's what know, I thought, things the that they're able to sell and then make crew. money off of. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a blue collar. He's just a blue collar guy that you know happens to be making weapons, and yeah, those those could be complex characters. But I like the idea that they're both, you know, 
capable of great science and uh, mechanical like genius. Uh, but unlike the Tony Starks and the Bruce Banners of the universe, uh, they're not like super rich and they're not, you know, famous for being scientists. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Like to me, you know, I, I always love when the threat is very sort of, you know, localized and sort of under the radar. So it, so you don't have to ask questions of like, all right, well, now the entire city is about to explode because of some crazy nefarious plot. Where are the rest of the heroes in this universe? What's going on here? You know, I like when they keep it more intimate. For me, it makes the personal stakes much higher. And to me, that's just a much more interesting story. So trailer two totally got me very ant about Vulture because it seems to be like a, a low down, dirty grudge between him and Peter because he's just trying to do his his low level crimes using, you know, better weaponry because he's gotten his hands on it. You know, I guess there's like Chitauri tech and other stuff, but Peter just won't let him get away with it. And I to me, I'm so hooked by that. I'm actually very surprised how amped I am. And also Michael Keaton is just fucking Michael Keaton, you know. So I'm very uh, I, I, yeah. I'm just no, that's and then like basically undoing Birdman, which was great in its own right. But then like coming back and then doing this is it's a great chapter in his biography. Absolutely. And Kelvin pointed out, too, there's that shot in the trailer that seems to be like almost trying to make us think about Batman Returns when the, the mech wings open up behind him. And in this one, the mech wings like are oh, attaching yeah. themselves to him. Uh, yeah, I thought that was very. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that's just a good way of shooting wings, but for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm, like, I'm well, down who, with it. I mean, the vulture looks that? cool as shit, which is not something that you could say about the vulture uh, always. He's usually like this old guy in like this green flapping wings thing. So like the the tech based thing is nice. The propellers is nice. Sort of like the MCUification of him uh, yeah. worked out much better than uh, it doesn't always work out. It works out yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also just love like the, the 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 conflict between Parker and Stark. I like the idea that Stark keeps trying to get him to like just be the friendly neighborhood hero who just deals with things right where he's at, and to not get involved with super powered beings and all this sort of shit. And it looks like Peter sort of you know d doesn't take that advice. And there's the big Staten Island ferry sequence where I take it you know Peter thinks he can just get in and out and and stop it, and then all of a sudden it gets much worse than he would have anticipated. And people almost die and that's what leads to the big confrontation between him and, and Stark where where Tony takes the suit away um, I, I think that's going to be a, a great fascinating little plot point there just to, you know, the, the whole idea of Peter sort of you know rebelling against Tony and then having to pay the prices for it and, and having to deal with the fact that people did almost die while he was trying to save them like I, I love any one of these movies that really analyzes what it means to be a hero with all of its, you know, with all of its high points and all of its potential consequences. I love that because I feel too many of these movies are too busy trying to like deconstruct heroes or trying to be all like cynical about it. And this seems to be like it, it puts heroism front and center in a very sort of interesting and positive way. Did you pick up on any of that? Yeah, I mean, it's good that this movie is able to have a greater hero that Peter could take advice from, because basically 
that's always needed in the Spider-Man story in some way. But up until this point, it's had to be an Osborne because fuck, they only own so much. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's nice to see Tony Osborning, but unlike that, he's not going to become a goblin. He's not secretly out to get Peter. He's only genuinely concerned, uh, or maybe not. Maybe he's just like side concerned and not that concerned because he took him to Germany and then dumped him back off in Queens. But yeah. either way, it's a more interesting relationship because teenage Spider-Man needs to be unsure of himself and needs to be getting in over his head. But a teenage Spider-Man that's already brought down Ant-Man needs like a little bit of a reality check. It's nice that they don't have to do uh, something super contrived with a Green Goblin or a, a symbiote making you jazz dance or a Spider-Man no more uh, <laughs> yeah. to do this hurdle. Instead, it, it, it becomes a, with great power comes great responsibility moment, which means maybe Tony could echo it back to him since Peter kind of, you know, gave him that speech in civil war, but that's another case for that line. But it's, yeah, it's really nice to not have the, what, you know, we've seen five Spider-Man movies. We kind of know what the crutches of a Spider-Man movie are coming from yeah. this company. It's really nice to not see any of those. And it's yeah. not like they're really shoving it in our face. They're shoving Marvel in our face. But like, I really, it's really nice not to have a Green Goblin. It's really nice to, you know, have a love interest that's sort of backgrounded to the best friend character, not a love interest that is the best friend character. Yeah. All these things. Uh, it's just very refreshing to see, I guess, a full world for Spider-Man to play around in rather than having to have all his pieces intersect and be tightly connected. Yeah, and the fact that they're not necessarily treading over old ground again. You know what I mean? Like the fact that they have Liz Allen as the love interest instead of Mary Jane and instead of Gwen. Like, you know, I'm very excited about that. You know, let's cover some new ground. Let's meet other parts of the mythology. What do you think about the fact that Alan is in the mix, even though she is kind of like an obscure part of his comic book lore? Oh, I dig it. I dig that she's, you know, I think the first person, it's Liz Allen and and then Betty Brant, I think, in terms of historical, uh, chronological Spider-Man crushes. So I like they're keeping up with that. Um... At first, I was thinking about like hidden characters and thinking that they were doing it to, you know, to show a new side of it. Now, the way that you know Sony's Spider-Man universe plan is shaping up, I'm almost positive because they want to explore the possibility of doing uh, Spider Gwen uh, as its own thing, and then maybe uh, you know kicking Gwen Stacy out of the MCU share deal part of Spider-Man. Uh, but we'll have to see. I'm definitely hoping that trailer three, like you were alluding to is about, uh, Peter making friends with Ned, Peter and Ned having a crush on Liz Allen, whoever the hell's in Danya's playing and what her deal is in this movie. And then the homecoming dance and then threaded through with like some Spider-Man things. Uh, we now know the trailer two was, Peter's Spider-Man responsibilities. I'd like tra trailer three to be Peter's personal responsibilities. And I think that's going to be where a lot of like the laugh lines and the joy of this movie are. Uh, and then Michael Keaton chewing the scenery. That's, that's what I'm really hoping for. Cause the action, I'm already pleased with the action. So I'm not worried about the action anymore. I'm, I'm looking for those performance moments. We're getting yeah. hints of them. Like uh, Ned trying on the Spider-Man suit. But <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to see more. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin, did you have any negatives on the trailer? Is there anything about you that you were, like, not happy about? Uh, no, no, not really, to be honest with you. So for you, it was all thumbs up? It was all thumbs up. I mean, 
I mean, like I told you before, I mean, I grew up watching, you know, Sp- Spider-Man, yeah. The Amazing Friends. And um, and and going back to what Dave said right now and, and the stuff that I posted weeks ago about Liz Allen being the love interest, to me, that's refreshing, something new, something, you know, and I said again with the Vulture, something new, something yeah. we haven't seen on screen yet, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, the fight scenes were, were awesome. I mean, I don't, I really have so you're no all in. It, 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 it did it. All right. To be honest with you. Look at you. All right. You know, and what about you, Dave? Were, were, not were enough Marissa any... Tomei. How about that? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. In that one what shot she's there, though. This movie? Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, let me ask you something. What do, what do you guys think about, you see how young this woman looks, Aunt May. Yeah. How does Ben, you know, Ben, Uncle Ben uh, come in all this? Well, I mean. He's a young guy, too. I guess so, yeah. Why not? I mean, she Marissa Tomei is like what forty four years old or something. So you know, this uh, you, you just can't. If they ever do a flashback, you just have a guy who's in his forties and he got killed off and whatever. I I, I don't really think her age uh, messes with the with the Uncle Ben lore. Do you think it messes with it in any way, Dave? I think I think it reinforces why uh, Spider-Man attaches to Tony Stark so much because that would be in the age group, right, for a potential yeah. Uncle Ben. Yep. So it's like he's really looking for that third father figure here, uh, and I think the aging, you know, is smart in that respect. Uh, you know, you're not looking for a replacement grandpa; you're looking literally for the guy of the same age group as your father, as your uncle. Uh, yeah. That makes that makes some sort of sense. Yeah. And now, and also that scene with the with the with the ferry probably I, okay I probably say okay didn't we see that before like uh, where he's uh, with the spider webs trying to pull together the ferry reminded me of the Spider Man two where Tobey Maguire Spider Man is trying to stop the train yeah and yeah he's stuck the, on the he's same like the, the same pose holding the webs yeah yeah, he's yeah like, I mean he has like the same pose right. I just feel like the, there are certain things that every hero, like, they're always going to be doing. Like, like in, in every Spider-Man movie, he's going to be doing all kinds of stuff where he's pulling things with his webs. Just like in every Superman movie, he's always going to be catching something falling out of the sky and that sort of thing. You know, there are just certain images that are always going to get worked in there somehow. So I feel like you can't really avoid that. As fresh as you want to go with something, you're always going to fall back on certain visual, you know, motifs and ideas just based on the powers, you know. Um, but Dave, were there any negatives for you anything that stood out as like a sore note um anything that stood out as a sore note i kind of wish okay i'm gonna say overall with trailers no because we've had some really shitty trailers recently not to call out any other things dc but we've had a lot of hype for a lot of nothing so i'm pretty happy with what i got in this trailer yeah uh that being said um I, I, I kind of wish they were confident enough to not have to lean on Marvel as much as, as they do. Yeah. Uh, all of the things that I wanted to see more of in this trailer was it weren't like Easter eggs. Uh, they were what, what this movie is going to be besides uh, Tony Stark and Avengers Tower. Because like, like the posters, even the posters that came out in the, ahead of these trailers, I'm like, make sure Avengers Tower is in there. Yeah. I'm like, okay, guys, yeah. like we get like, it. We get it. You, have, you don't have a good track record going out on your own. But like we, we get it. We're like everybody's showing up for Spider-Man and Iron Man. Now what's the Spider-Man part? Uh, yeah. But that we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes with more advertising. They certainly have enough time 
to pivot in how they're selling this movie. They're doing it really well now. It's just very transparent that they're worried about people not knowing this is a partnership to yeah. the degree that it feels like it's not a partnership at all. It's just a Marvel Studios Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, that's what it looked like to me. I mean, it's like Marvel Studios bitch slap Sony. It's like we taking <laughs> over. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then at the time that this was all being developed, who's to blame them, right? So, like, at this point, really early on, Spider-Man Homecoming is, what, probably, like, just Amy Pascal on the Sony side. And yeah. at that point, they were being, like, the Japanese company was like, should we just shut the whole film division just entirely? And that people were talking about that. And then they announced this deal. So I could see, you know... I, what I think that they're most concerned with, if I or no, I don't want to say this like I know anything. If I were Sony, what I would be most concerned with is what pieces do I get left with after Infinity War? Because this movie is my first flag and what I want to be a three or four flag movie with just this character flitting in and out of the MCU. But in between this and my second movie, we have to have the huge culmination movie under another studio that doesn't give yeah. a shit about me, but is just happy they just got Spider-Man back. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what carries over and what consequences each studio is going to allow Spider-Man to have in their movie. So, like, I don't think anything huge could happen to Spider-Man and Infinity War. Luckily, it's kind of too early in the huge timeline for that to be fitting. But, like, if he becomes an Avenger 2.0 lineup through, like, some miracle deal, then that would be weird, I would feel, to be, like, passing uh, Spider-Man's character development in between two studio franchises. Uh, it could be done. And, you know, there weirder things have been done. Uh, or they could just do an X-Men and sort of just give us tiny little Spider-Man one-off movies, which I'd be fine with. Like, Spider-Man junior year. Like, sign me up. I don't really care what else it's about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if this is the stepping stone of a working billion-dollar property share, uh, sort of what each piece what each studio is allowed to walk away with uh, at the end of the day for their their other side projects involving this character yeah that whole thing is very fascinating to me about like you know what is shared what isn't how you know how much direct say does either side have on the other you know especially with like th this week's news about like venom that like venom may or may not be connected at all to the mcu now they're saying it won't be connected at all like I wonder if maybe we're like we're re like we're, we're misinterpreting what that news means or what they're referring to, because I feel like everyone heard whatever those comments were, and they took it like all right, so Venom is going to be its own complete standalone thing that has nothing to do with Spider-Man and the MCU, whereas I think it might just be what they're saying is that it's not going to be it's not going to interact with those other movies. It's going to be a very sort of personal story that happens under everyone's radar. But the potential for the two crossover eventually is still there. Like they're not saying that it's completely different continuity, completely different world, but that just that the story they're going to tell, at least in this first movie, will not have any direct impact or ties to the MCU. Does that make any sense? Right. I mean, I'd be looking. Yeah, I'd be looking for something closer, like the uh, Venom arc. It was like a Venom number one in like the mid '90s, I think. Uh, where it's like in Alaska and the symbiote just like crashes down to earth and it's sort of like a, the thing, but with venom, like that's what I'd be expecting from like a venom movie. Uh, but I think you're completely right in that there's no reason to close off any avenues. Yeah. Um, same with like the animated miles Morales movie that's coming up. It's like, 
it's not going to be connected. Like, you know, Tony Stark's not going to show up, but five years down the line, if, you know, they want to enter in media res with Miles Morales, it might be like retconned back. Or then if Venom 2 wants to have a black cat crossover, they could both be like, oh, it's a black version of the red and blue guy or something like <laughs> crazy like that. Um, basically, everything that I think Alviar and Matt Tolomach tried to do in Amazing Spider-Man 2 with like soft launching the Sinister Six, that's the sort of connections that they're looking for. It'll be like signposted inside another movie that is a Venom movie. But like there are all these tendrils where if the movie does well, fans will be asking questions about those tendrils and they'll be like, well, then that has, you know, the Venom symbiote family movie yeah. uh, or the, you know, Spider-Gwen movie. I, they could take all these things that aren't core MCU Spider-Man and stitch together their own Spider-Man universe, which was the plan before, you know, the deal got made to to share the core character. But, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't going to change Spider-Man from being Peter Parker because that's the character they made the deal with. That's their legacy character. Uh, they want Peter, a Peter Parker Spider-Man. That being said, there's been tons of other Spider-Men. Sony could, you know, pick up the pieces, uh, much like Fox didn't consider Deadpool like the most worthy X-Men. There's a ton of Spider-Man characters that Sony doesn't consider the most worthy heroes, but could front their own movie and probably be profitable with it. Yeah. Can yeah. you see can you see a Venom movie without any interactions with Spider-Man? Yeah, I can. Um I think you're going to have to really decide to treat Venom like a monster. Um but if you do decide to treat Venom like a monster that opens you up to lots of cool storytelling possibilities. Not only do you have like thing or alien stories, but you could have like schizophrenic uh, serial killer stories of a guy, you know, who's part symbiote. So basically every time the character shows up, you have to figure out, uh, how you're going to treat this iteration of him. I'm personally a fan of like the ultimate venom, uh, which is not an alien. He's like a suit that was created to cure cancer, but, uh, it needs to like feed. It needs to absorb human life to like stay energized. Hmm. So it yeah. takes whoever it is, and makes them like this monster uh, that a Spider-Man has like has to stop. I think something like a reimagining like that can completely work because that's just a monster movie uh, with the alien symbiote. The question is the alien symbiote's like costume design and a lot of his powers come from being leeched by Spider-Man. So do you pick up with the symbiote after it's already come in contact with a Spider-Man you're not going to see? So it still has the white spider on its chest or do you just completely redesign venom to be a symbiote with the teeth and the tongue and the eyes, which we all get and just take the white spider off his chest and just don't even mention Spider-Man's part of the property at all. That would, and, that, and that would actually be pretty, pretty cool, actually. It, I think that's the way they're going to do it. Well, yeah, because uh, it's, it's a good character, and they have a ton of different ways to go with it since they've had to reimagine this character in the comics a bunch of times. If they make a really smart choice as to what the movie is going to be and commit to be that, then it's good. The problem is going to be is if they make a weak choice what the movie is going to be and decide they're going to use it to launch five other movies, then it's uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 all over again. Yeah, and I actually really loved what you said about the, the, that other comic book storyline where he's like in Alaska and it's more like a horror movie. Like, you know, in terms of like he's like, it's like this yeah, alien thing. entity. Yeah, the thing. Like, I love the idea of that. 
Because then it really, you know, it feeds into the idea that, yes, it's separate from the MCU. It takes place in its own little localized, maybe in just this one little snow town where the, where the, where the creature pops up. And, and that would explain why, yes, it, it's, it's not a connected. It doesn't interact with the MCU. But technically, this could have happened, just no one heard about it because it's such a small little thing that happened. Um, yeah, you know, and like I, the whole point really of those cool. movies is like, don't let the monster get out. And then you just end Venom with the monster gets out and your franchise could go anywhere. You just need to make one successful movie. Yeah, and also the idea of which it's Sony, so you know, roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but also even just the idea of like of, of the way Venom looks. Like you, he doesn't have the white spider on his chest until maybe eventually him and you know Tom Holland's Peter Parker cross paths. They do a variation of that storyline, and by the end of that storyline, boom! Now we see the Venom with the white spider on the chest, and it kind of gives like the character an arc on its way from starting off as a monster and ending up a villain, and then becoming an anti-hero. Like it could be very, very exciting. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hyped now about this Venom stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, it, I'm more hyped the way you said about it being like the ultimate Venom. You know. Oh, yeah, they used, if they I was a family man, that's the, that's the way I would go. I mean, I think they, they really polluted the idea of Venom to people who don't know Venom with Spider-Man 3. So you'd have yeah. to, like, really make some bold decisions about how this Venom's different. Uh, like, not from space or from space, but the rules are different or doesn't uncover the face of the wearer when he needs to talk because that stupid Venom has a cool face. Uh, like, little <laughs> things like yeah. that you could really point the movie in the right direction. And I would even say cast the no names. You don't even have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that was one of the reasons why they kept showing Topher Grace's face is because they hired an actor who was popular from the that '70s show at the time. And in general, with these movies, you always see the heroes without the masks on or the helmets on because you know you don't want to cover the moneymaker. But yeah, all right, fine. So hire a guy who's not that well known so that Venom, the character itself, can be front and center. And, and, and yeah, tell, or and, let him jump hosts so that you really focus on just the CG symbiote being your character, and you can make those movies for forever. Jesus, yeah, you really could. Oh, definitely. Damn, now I'm all hyped about this Venom stuff. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, at first when they when I heard about it, whatever it was, a week or two ago, that it, you know that the project had been revived and that maybe Alex Kurtzman was going to be directing it still, I was like, what the fuck is Sony doing? But the more uh, the more I hear about it and I see the storytelling possibilities, I really think the Venom offshoot can be pretty special. Um, yep. And you, in general, you're never going to be more excited about this movie than you are right now, though, because once choices start getting made, it's going to start <laughs> yeah. shaping up. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but look, I feel like I've taken up enough of your of your lunch break. So I want to just ask one final thing, just silly little thing. Uh, I asked Kelvin earlier, scale of one to ten, where where uh, Spider Man Homecoming is on his little personal hypometer, and uh, he said it was at a nine for him now. Where where did today's trailer leave you, Dave? Oh man, it's also uh, I'm gonna say also with a nine only because Thor Ragnarok's a non-existent trailer in my head is the ten. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I've oh man, you guys, this is gonna be a great year for Marvel. Actually, it's a great year for huge franchises. Like I brought up the Ridley Scott thing, like Alien Covenant, yeah. uh, Fate of the Furious. Uh, all these things are so deep up their own ass at this point that I'm really just entertained <laughs> to see if they could all pull it off. Yeah. Like each movie not only has to be a movie, 
but it has to connect to five different other things and it has to not piss you off about having seen those other things. So I think nine is a great place to be. I don't think it is going to get to a 10 until the lights go down in, yeah. in my Spider-Man screening. Uh, because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to overhype myself with yeah. Spider-Man because that's happened to me hmm, five times before this. Oh, geez. And it's funny that you say that because you know what? I never thought of the Thor Ragnarok trailer until right now you mentioned it. Can you imagine if they, when they showed the Hulk in his gladiator uniform? Dude, and just the color scheme of that whole thing and <laughs> yeah, uh, I swear Jeff Goldblum under, like, being yeah, like, like, let them fight. Dude, like that movie, <laughs> I like that, let them, yeah. Um, no, I feel like Thor Ragnarok is under people's radars and I feel like that maybe that works in its favor because I have a feeling that's going to be a very, very special movie. So, because like the first two Thors, I could wipe my ass with. I could care less. I couldn't care less. Uh, this one, I'm like, based on all the things I'm hearing, I'm like, this is gonna be a phenomenal goddamn movie. So yeah, I can't wait for a trailer for that. Um, personally, for me, on the hypometer, uh, the, uh, the this trailer today puts me actually at a ten. Uh, and the reason I say like I, the reason I'm going big and I'm going all hyperbole there and jumping right to the big one is because prior to this, I really wasn't that hyped. It's like Spider-Man Homecoming for me was one of those movies, like, yes, I will see it, but almost out of obligation. Like, you know, I, I, I have to see the new Spider-Man movie, so I'll see it. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. But this trailer actually bumped that up to now where it's like, oh, no, this is a must-see, and not just because it's a Spider-Man movie, not just because it's connected to the MCU, but because it looks like it's going to be a really damn good movie. So that's why for me, like it really moved the needle a lot. Up until this, I was at like a six about this movie. Now I'm like, God damn it, July 7th can't come close enough. It can't come soon enough. But um, all right, Dave, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time to, to chat with us today. Uh, I hope to have you on again thank at some guys. point. And guys, listen to Dave's podcast, which are called... Fighting in the War Room and Star Wars Spoilers. You can find them both at fightinginthewarroom.com. All right. Well, that was pretty fun, huh? No, it always fun with Dave around. Yeah. I, I hope to have him on again soon. It was, uh, it's, it's interesting to meet someone while I'm while on the air. But uh, no, he's a cool dude. So we gotta we got to definitely get him back on in the future. But all right. Uh, I, I want to hit on just a couple of small stories before we end up over at Justice League, because we know, you know we're going to spend some time over there. Um, so a couple of non-comic book related things that, that have arrived on our, on our news desk today. Did you see the, the, the picture of uh, Alicia Vikander as uh, Lara Croft in the new Tomb Raider? Oh, uh, yes, I did. And I'm like, I'm not a Tomb Raider fan. I mean, I saw the first film, uh, played the game once, but wasn't all that about it. Yeah. Yeah, I never played any of the games. I mean, I know, like, I get a sense for what the rebooted series looks like when they brought it back, like, two, three years ago. And I know that's what they're going for here. And if that's the case, then she totally looks like she was ripped right out of the game. You know, Vikander really sort of evokes what uh, the new Lara Croft looks like as opposed to what uh, Angelina Jolie looked like with, uh, you know, she she was just all boobs and she looked like she was trying to be that over-the-top cartoon version of Lara Croft from back in the day. So, I mean, it looks like good casting. It's just one of those things where, like, that movie will live or die for me on the reviews. If, if I hear it's amazing, 
I'll check it out. Otherwise, I could sort of take or leave it. But just in terms of the news itself, in terms of how she looks in the role, I mean, she totally evokes the uh, you know what, what Lara Croft looks like nowadays. And uh, I happen to think Alicia Vikander is pretty damn hot. So, you know, that always works, too. That always helps. But, um, that's, a big, that's a big plus. And, uh, yeah. and stay tuned. Maybe on the site, Splash Report, we'll have a little story details on Tomb Raider. Oh, really? You, you got to look you know, at the script, did you? My boy, uh, Jean-Francois. Jean-Francois. Um, Jean-Francois. He, um, I believe he, he read the script. So uh, he emailed me last night saying that um, that uh, that's next coming up as story details and uh, some other stuff that I found interesting that uh, he read as well. Yeah. Nice. All right. And uh, the other little news bit is that I mean this look this you can file this under duh who didn't see this coming, but did you hear like Terminator Genesis is officially you know the, the sequel is officially off the table it's been taken off of the uh, of the of Paramount's release slate did you hear about that? Yeah, man, it's like they have some mierda in paz. I mean, but you know they're not yeah. gonna. Did you hear that? Did you oh, no, absolutely. That story? What was it? Like early January that James Cameron might make a new one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that a big story that he was going to like godfather it or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that like he basically he's going to get the, the film rights back in I think like 2019 or some shit. And uh, he's, he's trying to get Tim Miller to direct a new Terminator movie. That's and, what it was, Tim Miller. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, listen, you know, if it's James Cameron back in the driver's seat, sort of like calling the shots, I would say give Terminator another shot. But if if that doesn't pan out, I, w- I would want Paramount and whoever else eventually gets their hands on these film rights. They have bounced around a lot in the last 30 years. Just leave it alone. Leave Terminator alone unless Cameron is writing it and overseeing it. You know what I mean? That's it. We're Definitely. done. Definitely. We're just let leave it alone, leave it alone. Leave and it alone. it's funny I say because that's something that uh, when we were talking to Dave earlier about the timeline, he was really into the whole timeline with Terminator when those Terminator yeah. movies came out. You know, I remember when he used to write for the site before, you know, he said that as well. By the timeline, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So he's very good at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But um, all right. So I feel like we have to address the elephant in the room. We have to address that there was another trailer that dropped since last week that I guess we have to talk about. And I guess it's sort of a big deal. You may or may not have heard that Warner Brothers released a trailer for Justice League. So, uh, I don't know. You start us off, Kelvin. What, uh, you know, what did you think of the trailer? Jesus. I don't even know where to begin, dude. Like, really, like. (laughs) Okay, all I can say, what left me out of that whole thing was that, you know what? Two things left me. Aquaman is going to be either the the savior of that film or Flashes. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, like Batman versus Superman, where everybody enjoyed Batman. Yeah. So that he was the best thing of the movie. So it's either Aquaman is going to be the best thing of that film or Flash. And then it looked too CGI-ish, like big time. Yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah, I think slow motion again. Fake, but 
Actually, you know what? Let me just take this moment. You just hate too. Cyborg. You've been you've been hating this Cyborg. No, for the long. listen, I got nothing against Cyborg. I just don't think. I I just know in my heart, in my bones, and in my soul that the movie's not going to happen. But I don't really have an opinion about Cyborg. But hang on, but just real quick, while we're talking about crappy CGI in trailers. Um, I meant to mention earlier that the only sort of sour note that I saw in uh, the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer was that there was like one scene, the scene where, where, where Tony Stark is confronting Peter Parker and he like steps out of his suit and they have, the, they have Manhattan in the background across the East River. And he's telling him, like, oh, well, if you don't, you know, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit anymore or whatever the fuck. That scene looked really fake. But anyway, back to Justice League. So you were saying. And, and, and you know what else is upsetting? I mean, look, you were talking earlier about trailer, like going back to Spider-Man real quick about did they show you a lot? Did they show you too much? Right. Yeah. And they sort of did. Yeah. Here and there. And then you had the trailer for, you know, Justice League, where they didn't show you too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then you're going to have fans unhappy because they don't know what the fuck it's about, blah, 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 this and this and that. Yeah. But what upset me the most is that, you know what? Justice League, for me, was all about, you know, Batman, Superman, The Flash, um, all the main guys, and and then you have no Green Lantern there. There was no cyborg in Justice League when I was growing up to you know in the cartoon. Yeah, where's Green Lantern? You know, and I think that's for me that's what's missing. Like Green Lantern is missing, and I understand they want to keep it a secret about Henry, you know, Superman coming back, but you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it, it felt what? a little. It felt like it was missing some star power in terms of what we're all used to. You know, like yeah, I'm like. It was like the, it, it was Batman and then a bunch of B-listers. You know, like actually, okay, there's Batman, then Wonder Woman, who's a notch below that because we haven't gotten a chance to know her or love her yet. But you know, her and then everyone else is just like, really, who the fuck is like? Why should I care about Cyborg? Like, yeah, like yeah. it seemed like it was missing something. You know, considering how big of a deal it is with the whole idea of like unite. The, the the team and, <laughs> yeah. and the song come together like they're trying to play up this whole thing like wow look at all of these amazing characters coming together and it's like not really you know there's like two and, that we all really you, know what and and did you did you feel that song I'm like why are you using this song it doesn't go along with the trailer oh no I liked it I thought that was oh, a good okay. idea because yeah, it's come together, you know. So it's 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 okay. about bringing the group, you know, the everyone together. See, that's the thing. So uh, for me, I really liked the music choices. I really liked the visuals. You know, like Zack Snyder makes really cool, iconic visuals. Um, so in terms of like you know audio visual, I was very happy. In terms though, it just. Like, I don't know, it, it didn't, it, it, it was missing a certain epicness, though, for me. Like, for me, the idea of seeing these heroes together on screen for the first time, this should be awe-inspiring. This should be the stuff of fanboy dreams come to life. And I never really felt that while watching this. You know, I don't know if it's because... I've already been burned by the previous three DCEU movies. I don't know. Maybe I'm already just tainted. Maybe I'm I'm past the point where these images can do anything for me. But I don't know. I, I was hoping to see something that was going to make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And maybe go, oh my God, you know what? I need to give this a chance. 
And for me, it just it looked like a CG music video of really cool-looking superheroes all making snarky, sarcastic one-liners. There was nothing in there that, that seemed to have any heft or any meat on the bones. Um, all I see was them fighting a bunch of like generic, stupid-looking henchmen. You know, maybe they should have shown like a glimpse of the villain or at least alluded to the fact that there was going to be a really epic villain in this. All they really showed was them fighting a bunch of basically Chitauri creatures. You know, it was like, oh, more of these uh, generic CG metallic characters. Wonderful. No, yeah, and, and, that's what I was, and that's what I was trying to tell you. It was like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, if you don't show yeah. this or if you show too much and you show yeah. a little bit of it. You know, people get pissed. Ah, you show too much of the trailer or you, you didn't show enough to get us hype. Yeah. So it's like now you have to wait until maybe – you know, Comic-Con or, or Wonder Woman to get another trailer for, for Justice League. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I still feel like over at Warner Brothers that they continue to make the mistake of they expect us to bring our previous knowledge and our previous love of these characters into the theater with us. And when we watch these trailers and things, we're supposed to think this is epic because I love Batman so much and because I love Wonder Woman so much and because I love The Flash so much. But like, it doesn't work that way. You know, we need to know and like and be invested in these characters. Otherwise, all of these flashy visuals mean dick. And I think they keep on trying to like, I, I just think they keep missing that point, and they keep relying on us to bring our previous fandoms with us instead of getting us to really lock into these characters, you know? So, and I, <coughs> go ahead. No, no, and not only that, it's like, you know, um, for example, like you were saying, they want us to like these characters and blah, 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 but, you know, in the state of, in the defense, like Marvel, they have, they already had Iron Man, solo movie mm -hmm. they had a thor solo movie they had a hulk solo movie they had captain america solo movie so you already knew these people and when yeah. the avengers came out that shit got you hype yeah for sure you know what i mean unlike this one when you only had man of steel and then batman versus superman that's it yeah you, know, you didn't have a solo a flash movie aquaman movie wonder woman well now wonder Woman's coming out but yeah you know a batman movie. none of them came out before they got all together yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the so, thing, though, too, because like, I, I don't want to shit on their approach in terms of that. Like, I, I, I've been a big defender for a while, believe it or not, that, you know, they didn't have to do the standalones for each character, that they could do it this way. But I just don't think they did it right. You know, like, I think there is a way to have pulled this off where, you know, it would still feel epic and still feel pretty awesome and use this as a launch pad for the solo franchise. And I think they definitely could have done it. I think they just botched it, you know? Um, I just bring that up because like, I don't want us to think that, like, I don't want anyone to think that, like, we're just saying, well, they, they should have done the MCU way of the standalone movies first. Like, I'm not saying they should have done that. I think they definitely could have made this work. They just, they hired the wrong guy to do it. You know, there was no heart. You know what I mean, Kelvin? There's yeah, no he, heart. And, you know, Snyder and then the whole and then, and then basically, in any of these. We didn't get invested. <laughs> we don't love these things. They're just cool-looking things. No, yeah, and, and going back to that whole thing that happened almost a year ago where you already heard the bad buzz while they were filming the movie. They were saying, yeah. you know, that Snyder wasn't really directing. It was somebody else directing, yeah. yada, yada, yada. They flew everybody to fucking London. Yeah. 
and they all wrote the report to come, you know, damage control. Yep. Uh, but you you see it in the pudding right there. You see it in the trailer. I'm like, okay, this movie has a problem. Yeah. You know? It just, you know, and, and to me, like, since we're talking about heart and we're talking about emotion and we're talking about being vested in these characters, you know, it, it, Batman v Superman was what Deborah Snyder called a deconstruction of these characters, which I thought was a terrible way to go with it. But then this, like their, their solution to deconstruction and then their, their attempt to like make things lighter and more fun, more entertaining is apparently just to add a lot of sarcasm and a lot of these little snarky one-liners and we're these sarcastic jaded heroes like, Oh, shut up. You know, I, I, it's not, that's not the solution here. When you already have a franchise that's missing heart, that's missing emotion, that's missing emotional complexity, the solution is not to add, look how disaffected we are and how jaded we are. You know, like I just, it seems like their solution here, the way they're trying to make Justice League more likable is to just make these people more sarcastic and snarky and annoying. And I just, I, that's not going to cut it for me. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with dude. Not a lot of it has to do with the the script. Yeah, you know, like really, did you guys not read this script before you started filming? You know, I just think you know, I think they're relying too much on people just wanting to turn up in droves and loving these characters already, and they just the script was like you know Warner Brothers approved it without really being concerned for whether or not it was any damn good. You know, it almost goes back to those rumors when Brett Easton Ellis last year, uh, the guy yeah, who wrote exactly. American Psycho, said, like, Warner Brothers doesn't care about the script. You know, they know this <laughs> thing is going to sell internationally to people who don't even speak this language, and people are going to buy the toys. And, you know, like, I, I just, I, listen, I don't want to be this pessimistic about it, but this just looks like, just like a, there's nothing in this. There's like a discombobulated mess. And the trailer, you know, it looked cool, is it because, but is it, it because didn't touch me. It didn't, is it because you don't know enough about the story, or is it just because I just haven't seen anything that hooks me. There's no hook. The trailer just shows you a bunch of just isolated, cool-looking things. But what is the storyline hook? What is it that makes this special? If I want to see a bunch of superheroes get together and beat the shit out of things, I can already see that elsewhere. What is it about this that makes it special? You know, and, the, and and this whole trailer seemed to be what makes this special is that they're all fighting together. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't give a fuck about three fifths of the team. You know, so it's just it, it's missing something vital. And I feel like if there was like a killer storyline hook, if there was a great villain, if there was some sort of central seminal moment that brings the team together, if they, and they teased at that a little bit. Boom. Okay, fine. Yeah, now I want. Now I'm intrigued. But this was all just about like, hey, we should put together a team. Yeah, let's get a team. There's a vague, mysterious attack that seems to be coming, and then it's all about just let's just meet the members of the team now. It just there's no hook for me. There's nothing. It was missing that 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 little killer moment where you're like, oh shit, this is why I have to see this movie. Um, yeah, I guess you do, and and you know, hopefully. With this reaction and stuff like that, what people are reacting to the trailer, that they'll get their shit together when they release the other trailer and another trailer. You know, yeah. usually with these movies, they come out with three trailers. Yep. You know, so you didn't know anything about the story. Like you said, there was no hook. There was no villain. But then 
when you have a trailer like Batman vs. when they showed you Doomsday, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. got pissed. Yeah, it's all you know about the balance. You know, the, I, I don't need the whole movie, but I need a reason to think that this is a special story. I need a reason to think that, okay, this deserves my attention. And to me, just seeing a bunch of slow-mo shots or epic-looking camera angles of heroes doing sort of cool things, that's not enough for me anymore. You know, I'm 33 years old. I got too much going on in my life to like, all right, now I'm going to spend two and a half hours watching this movie. Like, I, you got to give me a hook. You know, maybe the, maybe the tweens will be happy about that trailer. But I can't, I, I, I don't look at it or, and see anything that makes me inspired to go to the movies. So let's yeah, hope no, that I, the next I agree trailer, with you on that. Yeah. I agree with you on that 100%. Like, there's nothing there, like, that makes me want to go. Yeah. It's just for the last time. Like, and I keep saying it, but <laughs> for the last time, they're literally relying on us loving these characters already. So they, they're expecting, we'll put this out there, and all these people who grew up on these heroes are going to cream themselves. But I don't think that's enough. I really don't. No, and I, I really hope this is the last Zack Snyder DC movie. I'm done with this little experiment. It was, you know, it was, I, w- I wish I could say it was fun while it lasted. It was not fun while it lasted. But I hope, <laughs> I hope it's done. I hope that, you know, J- Justice League 2, like they, they have a mutual parting of ways and he doesn't direct Justice League 2. And I hope this, I hope this is it. I don't want to see any more Snyder DC movies. I'm over it. Enough. Um, yeah, go back to doing a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, buddy. Yeah, that's the only movie of his that ever did anything for me. <laughs> me too. too. I, I, I really enjoy that movie, like yeah. big time. When it's on I TV, the, I sit and watch it. Like this, I enjoyed it. I, I, I saw it the other day too on, on TV. I was like, Snyder, what happened, dude? Yeah. Well, that's the no. thing, though. If you think about that, that was don't like his wrong. first what? Yeah, what? don't get me wrong. You know, I like that one. And uh, 300 wasn't shit either. That was good. You know, I'm not going to say that his 300 movie was shit. Yeah. It was yeah. okay. You know, now Watchmen, I, I didn't. Yeah, Watchmen was ah. Yeah, you know, I almost fell asleep in the theater on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree. I think that I hope that this is his last one. And going back to the DC stuff, how it started, the difference, I thought that they were going to go on that arc. But then he left the Chris Nolan way, you know, where you knew that Chris Nolan's hands were on Man of Steel. Yep. You felt that, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it had a very you know uh, solid tone, like a realistic tone, a real that uh, you felt for this alien who came to Earth. Yeah, but when they went Batman versus Superman, you can tell Nolan was not in that involved in this. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I guess you know it's bring just, this guy back. Oh, you want them to bring Nolan back? Uh, yeah, for at least, you know, advice or, or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, his maybe. Batman his Batman movies, except for the last one, it was not all, you know, a lot of people didn't, it wasn't received well, the last one, but the first two were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's depressing. I'm, I, you know, it's depressing <laughs> to, to, you know, be, be at a time here where I, I can watch a Justice League trailer and not give a fuck, you know? But anyway, yeah. um, well, look, dude, you know, I've got a couple more things I have to run through here on the show that I, I think I've taken it up enough of your time. 
So I just want to thank you for being here with me for all of this. And I'm going to have you again soon. And before you go, everyone, you guys got to pay attention because Kelvin is going to drop a scoop on the Splash Report today. Uh, So depending on what time you're listening to this, uh, you got to pay attention and let everyone know what it's about. All I can tell you is for the last couple of days, it's already been on the Internet. It's about Venom. That's right, everybody. And I, cool. I already know what it is. You guys are going to like this. All right. So pay very close attention here. Kelvin has got a Venom scoop coming on the Splash Report. And he took time to join me here for my Spider-Man episode of the podcast because he's the fucking man. And, oh, thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, dude. So uh, don't be a stranger. We'll be in touch. And uh, thanks for dropping by, brother. All right, buddy. Thank you. Wow, guys. So what a day, huh? We had Kelvin on. We had Dave on. I mean, listen, a day when a Spider-Man homecoming trailer hits the net, that's like a fucking holiday. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm really grateful those guys made it. But now let me tend to some fanboy business here. Last week, I did ask you guys a question of the week. That question of the week was about the Matrix reboot. I, I wanted to know if you guys were excited. If you, you know, were you against it? Did you want it back? Did you have an, a hard opinion on it now that we know that it's not necessarily a reboot as much as it is a relaunch of the original franchise? I wanted to know what you guys thought. So here we go. Mr. Dan Bali wrote in. He said, I'm apprehensive about this new Matrix news. I feel like expanding the mythos is partly what made the last two movies suck. That said, Michael B. Jordan is the man. If they do it right this time, then this could be something amazing. Fingers crossed. In case you're wondering, that's my terrible Australian accent. If this is the first time you've heard my show, uh, whenever I hear that one of my listeners comes from some place abroad, I try my best and I tend to actually mangle it, but I try to get their accent. Um, then there's Mr. Aaron Verola. Who's, he's Latino, but he's here in New York like me. He lives out in fucking Levittown, so he probably sounds like I do. So Aaron Verola said, The Matrix wowed the shit out of me, and I'm looking forward to returning to that world. A Morpheus or Beyond focused story equals hard on. So <laughs> he sounds like he's very excited. Tavo Borrego from Puerto Rico saying, Count me as excited to revisit the Matrix. This world is so rich and dense that I believe you can make more movies without Neo. Then there's Mr. Chris Lissanti. Chris, I don't even know where you're from. I think, I, I want to say you're from like the Bronx or something, but. Chris says, as someone who didn't appreciate the first Matrix until years later and who hated the sequels, I think that I am ready to revisit this universe, especially considering the state of the world we live in today. Hashtag relevant. And my God, I've been thinking about that all week. I know I brought it up last week. I said, you know, how are we not already in the Matrix? We live in the fucking Matrix, guys. But I don't want to. This is not a philosophical podcast. I may write something about this subject on lfanboy.com where you have the option to just 
you know, read it or not. I'm not going to hijack podcast time for this in case it's not what you're here for. But I have some very deep philosophical beliefs about the fact that the Matrix really is not far-fetched at all. All it is is a very literal take on what is happening to us in real life. Um, But anyway, Nathan Lee Ivey from Texas. I can't really do a Texas accent. I don't even know if I'm doing it right. This is kind of just a generic Southern accent. But Nathan Lee Ivey said, I'm happy The Matrix is not a reboot. I love the trilogy, but understand why others do not. I can't wait to see it. After thinking some more on this, I would be happy with either a prequel or a continuation after Revolutions. Then there's Mr. Sean Coulter. Sean Coulter. I have no idea where you're from, Sean, so I'm sorry if I'm about to ruin your life. Let's see. Sean from South Florida. Yeah, I have no idea what a person from South Florida sounds like, so I can't do it. But uh, (laughs) Sean wrote, The Matrix is so unique. I'm up for anything that brings us back to that world. I'm with you there, Sean. Like I've been saying here and on IGN and the piece I wrote, this is a world that is ripe for interpretation. There's so many stories to tell, so many interesting ways to go with it. So... Uh, Sean shares my excitement. Absolutely. Bring on more Matrix. Um, And then just on my end over here, still working on getting the Patreon page going. I don't know what's taking me so long to just sit down and do that. Uh, It seems like it's more involved than I... uh, than I originally thought, but that's no excuse. I got to sit down and do it because I do have to try to start making some money off this stuff. My wife is going to kill me. <laughs> but um, And in terms of what I've been doing is spending my fanboy hours on this week, I've become even more obsessed than usual with Zelda. Uh, I know I've been mentioning for like three weeks now that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is totally you know, rocking my world. And this week it went to a whole other unhealthy level where like every day, once the family goes to sleep, I spend like three hours playing that game. I've probably spent like several days worth of gaming time, uh, actual of literal time, several actual days playing that game. If you were to add up how many hours I've poured into Zelda breath of the wild over the last three weeks. Um, it really is just, I, I haven't been this captivated or this caught up or this immersed in a game in about 20 years. And, you know, and I'm going back to my number one of all time, which is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's the last time I played a game where I'm like, I can't wait to play it, where I can't wait for a private moment so I can get the controller in my hand and revisit Hyrule. Like it's been so long. And I just want to you know tip my hat over to the folks over at Nintendo uh, the people who made this game, you know, this thing is a work of art. I, uh, I, I almost don't want it to end. And thankfully, it doesn't look like I'm, any, I'm not even that particularly close to it ending because it's such a massive game that I've spent all this time. And I think I've done barely like 15% of what's in this game. So very excited about continuing my adventures there. I'm still watching Masters of Sex and Homeland a lot now that I got the Showtime stuff going up and running again. Homeland is fucking dynamite this season and my wife and I are so pissed that we caught up as quickly as we did <laughs> because when, when we when we got the, the Showtime package a couple weeks ago, they were on episode 8 and we hadn't seen, you know, the whole any of this season yet. 
So we're like, all right, good. So, you know, we're not going to have to get caught up in waiting every week. You know, we'll binge a couple episodes here and there, and then we'll, you know, maybe we'll catch up in time for the finale. Well, that didn't really pan out because we watched all eight episodes that very first week we got Showtime back. So waiting for episode nine was like torture. And now we have to wait again for episode 10. Actually, I think that I think I think we just saw 10. So now I think we're waiting on 11. I got to tell you, I hate waiting for a series like like some sort of peasant. I want it now. I want to binge it now. So anyway, uh, Homeland is Dynamite. Masters of Sex, I'm still one season behind. I'm on like episode seven of that. But that show rocks my world. I, uh, I, sh- I shared a clip of it on lfanboy.com. There's this speech from like the fifth episode of season three about what love is and it's how it's like a force of nature. It's like gravity that just, you know, it, it, it spoke, it hit me right where I live. And, uh, you know, I'm something of a hopeless romantic. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, visit lfanboy.com. It's a little two-minute clip where uh, Dr. Uh, Bill Masters explains what it is that he thinks love is. Because the textbook he wrote on sex never mentions the word love. And the reasons that he doesn't mention it may surprise you. Uh, The character is kind of a cold fish. Anyway, uh, check that out. Uh, I've been getting some recommendations from you guys, especially from Tavo Borrego, so thank you. He's keeping my Netflix queue steadily growing. Uh, he mentioned I need to check out Lucha uh, on El Rey and uh, I think Train to Busan or something. I have to look at my tweets again. But thanks for the recommendations. Keep them coming in. Um, and that's really kind of it. You know, I know I didn't touch on a lot of different news topics today. Mainly, I just I wanted to talk Spider-Man. I wanted to talk Venom. I wanted to talk Justice League. For me, that's, you know, the, these are all things that speak directly to my fanboy heart. Um, next week, I'll try to get some more news for you. But either way, thank you for listening. Thank you to Kelvin and Dave for, for, for joining me today. And thank you, Marvel Studios and Sony, for coming together to make Spider-Man Homecoming. Because if that trailer is any indication, that's going to be a fucking phenomenal movie, man. So uh, that's it. Thank you so much for for listening, everyone. And uh, your question of the week is the same question that I asked Kelvin and I asked Dave. That trailer, where did it leave your hypometer? On a scale of 1 to 10, let me know. And if it raised or lowered it, I'd love to know, you know, if it raised or lowered your hype and why. All right. So thank you, guys, and uh, see you next week.